Hi, you're listening to the Professional Speaks podcast with me, Craig McKellar, your host. As an ex-Big Four auditor for six years, I now run a specialist recruitment consultancy called McKellar Consulting. Throughout this podcast, I speak to senior leaders from the professional services community, past, present and future. These leaders work in accounting and finance, audit, tax, corporate finance, consulting, legal and investments. In the comfort of their own office, I will be posing questions to our guests to gain insights from them across a variety of topics, including balancing work and life, mental health and mindset, risk-taking and effective leadership. These insights will help us learn, be inspired, grow and ultimately succeed in what we want to achieve in our careers. Here's what's coming up on today's episode. But I made the conscious decision to take a step back from an economics point of view, so financially, because I knew that with having that skill set added to what I've, what I've done to date yeah. would actually put me in a better position going forward. I knew it would be long hours. I knew the travel would be slightly different because rather than you'd be, you're, at the end of the day, you're the mercy of the, the, the client and what yeah. the client wants, the client's paying for, and you need to deliver it as quickly and effectively mm-hmm. as possible. But, you know, I was, I was aware of that, but I knew that as part of my journey and where I wanted to get to, the benefits that I would get from it. Mm. So I would certainly encourage people that, you know, have maybe been professional service earlier, industry, if they were to go back into professional services for the right reason, mm-hmm. i.e. they're going to take a, skill, a different skill set at a different point in their career mm-hmm. to go back into industry, it's hugely, hugely valuable. In this episode, I'm joined by Alan Dowie, who is a partner in the private equity firm he co-founded called N4 Partners. We discuss his career, approaching deals, entrepreneurship, thoughts on effective management, and why he runs six marathons in six days in the Sahara Desert. No, thanks, Alan, for, for meeting me. I know yeah. you're, you've got it's a lot a pleasure. On, so I really appreciate it. Um, and just for listeners and viewers that uh, maybe aren't aware of you, so you're currently a partner and co-founder of private equity firm N4 Partners, yep. mm-hmm. which was set up in 2020, yep. mm-hmm. um, and currently a part-time CEO and advisor to clinical research firm that you that N4 have invested in, is that right? Yes, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I know. Also a CEO of one of our own investee companies, Oculus, which is our, an accountancy roll-up. Yeah, great. No, and, and you can come on to more of that if, mm-hmm. if you want, because the next question is really just to to start with kind of a bit about N4, if you like to say a bit about, about the company and, and who you might uh, typically invest in. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a very quick, quick background to myself. I mean, I've spent the last... 25 plus years or so in a sort of variety of sort of finance strategy operational roles across you know professional services public companies private companies spent the last probably you know 15 years or so involved in the private equity environment um back in january 2020 we get the opportunity to to set up n4 uh, we are basically work with sme entrepreneurial led companies that are in that are an inflection point we were fortunate at the start of the business that we had a, a run-out fund to work on, which was a, a global industrials fund. Um, again, investments across the, the, the globe in a variety of, of industrial sectors. Uh, since then, we have moved further into the, the venture space. We've then had a, you know, a couple of smaller funds. We've moved into the advisory side of things. And also, we have got a direct investment arm ourselves. Mm-hmm. So over the last, now, you know, just over four years, we've invested in a variety of, of, of things from, uh, from manufacturing to, you mentioned clinical research. We have 
done an accountancy roll-up of seven accountancy practices across Scotland. We have involved in, in whisky, forestry, mm-hmm. hydrogen, uh, you know, almost, you know, you know mo- most sectors, you know, we've involved in property recently. So really, you know, we're, we're a team of people that have mm-hmm. got a skill set. You know, we're a, we're a mix of, of, of skills from the, the lawyers to the engineers to the accountants to the corporate finance people that have cro- crossed multi-sectors. Mm-hmm. People have been from analysts right up to, you know, CEOs, CFOs, chairs of, you know, of, of private companies and of, of, of mm-hmm. listed companies. So it's really about using our experience and our skill set, mm-hmm. our access to capital mm-hmm. to really, you know, go on the, go on the journey with businesses. No, that's great. And I mean, you've just talked about a variety of sectors there. How do you maybe decide what to go and invest in? You know, do, do you, are you very open to sectors and it's maybe more about something else? Yeah, I think, you know, are, are, are we open? Yes, we are open. There's certain things, certain sectors we, we don't, you know, we, 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 would, we wouldn't get involved in. But generally, our skill set and experience can be, you know, applied to most sectors. Mm-hmm. And, and where there's a gap, what we would do is we would bring in a specialist or, you know, an advisor to, to work alongside us if there was a specific. So I mentioned, like, you know, whiskey and forestry, you know, we've, 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 we've brought something in to sort of sit alongside us yeah. in, 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 in terms of that. So I think it's all looking a bit more about, you know, where we can add value in the return, whether it's a direct investment that we've mm-hmm. made ourselves or from a third party investor mm-hmm. and ultimately you know can we actually add value to the to, to the business you know yeah. there's there's times when opportunities have came to us which we mm-hmm. thought have been good opportunities but mm-hmm. you know there's other people that could actually add value to you know to to, to greater than what we can so mm-hmm. we've brought other partners in or we've We've brought introduced other partners who've taken it forward. So, mm-hmm. you know, we very much want you know you know reputation mm-hmm. is very important mm-hmm. to us, and you know, and and, and adding value mm-hmm. as well as having fun along well, along, the, along the way. So, <laughs> yeah. and as well as having fun, as well as putting money in, you know, investing money, in, you obviously invest a lot more. And you know, when you're investing in a company, you're getting really close to them. Um, and over the last few years, you know, the economy's been quite turbulent, and we've got you know still got high interest rates and, and inflation and um, income taxes, particularly in Scotland, c- coming up. Um, you know, do, do, how do you see maybe this year playing out uh, for 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 businesses? You know, mm-hmm. maybe what what are some of the questions that you might be getting as well. Yeah, I think that you know, you know, every year in in business, there's 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 always challenges. There's always new things come out. I go back over my experience, going back to you know when I was CFO of a of a global business back in two thousand eight with the mm. both what happened with the economy then. You know, you know, as you say that you know, you know, you know cost of living and uh, with income tax, etc. So I think this is you know each year comes with its own challenges. I think as a as a team of people with you know we're very. Operationally hands-on within mm. the business, you know, we use our our skill set not just as from you know financiers, if you want to call it. You know, we have worked in businesses we've yeah. been invested into, we have invested into. So you know, we're continually looking at what the risks are within the businesses. You know, a couple of points that you've touched on there. You know, with with you know Scottish income tax. You know, you know one of the challenges we always have is in terms of recruitment. Mm. Uh, you know, we're continually looking to see how that we can bring new talent in. To Scotland, mm-hmm. I think you know these are certain some of the questions that we get asked when we're trying to recruit people in. That okay, you know my tax is going to be slightly different. Can you actually pay me more salary to compensate for that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you know the general sort of cost of living where the Scottish economy is at. I think that you know there is there's challenges there, mm-hmm. um, 
and I think that's where, you know, without straying into politics, I think yeah. there's a lot that um, that the public sector and the the private sector to, can do together mm-hmm. to, to to help drive that forward. So I think is you know this will be a, a challenging year, but mm-hmm. that creates opportunity. Yeah. And despite what's happened in over the last four years, we have seen you know up until 2020 we. Look more out with Scotland. Most of our deals were, you know, we were looking, you know, Europe or US, etc. But our focus has been very much in Scotland the last four mm-hmm. years. You know, and it's you know fantastic, fantastic businesses, fantastic skill set, fantastic opportunity. Mm-hmm. Despite what's been going on, and you know, it's 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 been, you know, the last four years for us has has been fantastic. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear, and I think um, you know Scotland also has a lot of you know resilient people in in in, in business as well, and particularly if you. You know, got experience over recessions and financial crisis and pandemic and things. You know, you're you're probably a good person to to listen to. And and coming to you maybe a bit more specifically and around you know your career, um, I believe you're quite entrepreneurial as well in your in your early days <laughs> as well. You know, and, and maybe before your career started. Um, can you maybe say a bit more about that to give a flavour to people and also, um, you know, just maybe more about your 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 mindset kind of you know, where does that come from in you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, now going back to my 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 my, my youth many years ago. Yeah, I mean, I probably always had, and it probably comes from my 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 mother. My mother was involved in banking, but yeah, we always she always looked to see how I could do the, the best, and really sort of you know try really sort of push me forward in life, and and look for opportunities, and try to think of things in a in a different way. And you know, every every child starts, or a lot of children start with their paper round or their whatever, and it went from there. But it was the idea of of you know, and I wouldn't have used the term then but sort of you know wealth creation and the opportunity mm-hmm. to go and make money and see an opportunity so p- probably early on in my, my life I get involved in um, you know some of the examples of some of the business I've involved in was a, a glass recycling business when I was um, when I was 19 that was very much about going around the, the pubs of Glasgow and taking the, what was the empty bottles and taking them to glass bottles of the 20p on top uh, yeah no yeah well yeah that would have been more lucrative right. but uh, yeah but yeah it was in the days of old when glass recycling wasn't really you know a, a huge thing and mm-hmm. you know you you know all the, the, the almost the, the Bex bottles of all so it was collecting all yeah. of that and going up and there was the money from, from recycling so it wasn't that ESG was at the forefront of my yeah. mind it was very yeah. much about how we could uh, could make money from it so yeah. then get involved in, 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 in club nights then had uh, a printing business then get involved in property then get involved in service departments and you know and a few other things along the way so I think it was very much about you know, wealth creation but actually I, I probably enjoyed more the idea of creating something and seeing if it could actually turn into mm-hmm. to, to actually deliver deliver a return so that was probably the, the more the fact of x pounds that i had in my pocket it was mm-hmm. the fact that it actually created something so, so. I, I mean were you i know you said your mom, mother was an influence in terms of maybe your entrepreneurial mindset in terms of the wealth creation was it your mother as well or was it was it something else was it maybe just even the enjoyment of, of maybe what you were doing yeah i mean it was i mean i think my, my very very first club night as a as a 19 year old i earned three thousand pounds yeah uh, and you know it's it's the only time in my, my life i actually got a, i don't know why i got a custom made suit made when i was 19 but it was the only time <laughs> i did when i was 19 and um uh, you know i just loved i loved the idea of it you know and it, what it was created i'd created something that people came to got enjoyment from i got a return from it but you know it wasn't it was it was it was it was a creation of it so mm. and similar you know everything you know I, I don't think that many people 
you know, people, there's, there's not necessarily many unique ideas. People just sometimes take ideas that are out there and just think of them in a, in a, in a different way. And that's what I was doing at the time. You know, I wasn't the first person to do these things, but I was just trying to do it in a way that I thought would actually make it slightly different and, mm-hmm. and, and make it work. So I think it's just as I went along the journey, it was more my thinking and seeing it and, you know, continually, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be worked with some fantastic entrepreneurs. I've been fortunate enough to be either mentored or be friends with and, and just seen how that, some of that mindset works. And it's, you know, it's lived with me from, from a very, very early age. Mm. And how did, the, you know, I guess the enjoyment of that success in those areas that you've just said, how did that then kind of transition into your career, you know, just from that yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could say it's not, you know, you know, from having said, you know, doing some of these things and then becoming an accountant, you know, sometimes people think, you know, have a, have a perception of, of what accountants are. And, but always knew that, um, you know, and again, this probably came from my mum as well, but, you know, once, if I was able to become an accountant, once I had that bit of paper, you know, you know, it was there, there for life and it was something to fall back on. But I also thought, you know, things like private equity, you know, when I was, you know, it took me, I was, I was a lot older before I'd heard of and understood what private equity was. But, you know, so I think that I wanted to understand business better. You know, that was the way for me to, to do it. When I was at school, I wasn't the most academic, mm-hmm. but I was always good at, at maths and, uh, and uh, arithmetic. And, you know, that felt a natural route to go down that, that basis. And fortunately, I think driven by my mindset and probably my personality as well as, you know, with that, you know, going down the accountancy route, it's helped shape my, my, my career. Cause I, I wouldn't say I definitely fit, you know, I wouldn't, without insulting any accountants, but I would say that, yeah. no, I, I wouldn't fit necessarily direct, you know, directly into the, the, the mold of an accountant. Mm-hmm. And you've held, you know, board positions. You've been CFO, you've been CEO. Did you have a kind of plan at the beginning of your career to, to kind of get to those, those? Yeah, I mean, I probably in, in my early twenties, for for whatever reason, I was in. Uh, I actually bought a book from uh, Central Station. Can't even tell you where I was going. It was called called the the the, the art of thinking big, and um, in there it talked about actually having a life plan. So I was in my early twenties, and I came up with a a fairly detailed life plan that took me out till I was forty five. I don't know why I picked 45. Well, actually, I do know why I picked 45 because I wanted to retire at 40. Yeah. And the final five years was, was about having my classic car garage. But I, I came up with an, a plan of where I wanted to get to from a, from a career point of view, from a, a, a measures of success, you know, and there was, you know, there was family and there was, there was, there was, there was other things built into that. But from a career point of view, I knew I wanted to be, by the time I was 25, I wanted to have qualified as an mm-hmm. accountant. I identified a measure of success that I would reward myself with at that point. Mm-hmm. At 30, I wanted to become an FD. At you know, 35, I wanted to become a, and my plan at that point was a FTSE 100 FD and then at 40. So, but I, I, I shaped the plan as I, I went through. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, there's a saying, no, not everyone likes to plan, but you know, there's a saying, you know, people don't plan to fail, they just fail to plan. And yeah. at least I had a, an idea and it was, you know, it, I shaped it through my career and I was mm-hmm. continually adding. Mm-hmm. To it. So I would say that, you know, I've, I, I've, I've probably exceeded where I expected to get to, mm-hmm. but that was only because I set an element of a stall out of where I wanted to, to mm-hmm. get to. I mean, I mentioned, the, you, you know, like the property stuff, you know, the, that was built into it. You know, I wanted to have X flats by the time I was 30. I wanted to have, you know, sell them when I was 40. I wanted to, reti- I wanted to have a, you know, classic car guy. So there was a whole series of things that, 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 mm-hmm. that went, that went into it. I mean, that's, that is fascinating, you know, because, and I think 
to achieve, to get to have that vision and to achieve it, you know, of course it involves hard work, but, you know, lots of people work hard, but maybe just without the plan or without the knowledge of, of maybe what to do, where to go. Um, but I guess, like everything, we also have to make choices to put it in front of things as well. Is there any maybe sacrifices that you feel like you had to make and <laughs> you're on your way um, you know, to achieve these these, these um, career milestones. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's. I think you know, life. You know, people talk about work-life balance. You know, I, I'm not too sure if I believe in the philosophy of work-life balance. You know, I think that you've got to have a balance in life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's trying to do things to the best of the ability with the time that you have available. I think that uh, I was very ambitious. I was very sort of career-focused. You know, to do that, you know, it meant it came with sacrifices in terms of family time or, or time with friends or, or things like that. I think that, um, you know, I, you know, I got, I was lucky enough with some of the, the, the mentors I'd had over my, 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 my career. And you know, one of them was ex, ex FDMBP. And he said, look, you know, you know, at the time I was 26, 27, he said, look, if you want to become a senior person in an organisation, you can try and take a specialist route or try to do it more generalist. And he taught me around how I should maybe think about my, mm-hmm. my career. But he also talked about the, the network and the ability to pull in from that network. So I've spent a lot of time over the years investing, mm-hmm. you know, like evenings or weekends or whatever it would be to make sure that, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a strong network. And I think tend to when I go into most situations, there'll be someone that I will know or I, you know, maybe another side or whatever. So, you know, that's something that I've, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time on. So I would, you know, simple answer to your question, have a sacrifice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, it was, it was a personal choice, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, I think I've I made the right balance at that time, but yeah. I know that that was probably to the detriment of other things and maybe at the time other people. Mm-hmm. And just on the network piece as well, you know that's really really interesting because COVID obviously you know stopped us networking or you know we maybe were talking to people on the phone and on on the video on video calls a bit, um, but it's not the same and getting out to events and do you have any thoughts on you know or maybe some people in finance. Is that kind of hindered maybe their, their their journey? Would you say or I I would say so. But again, bear in mind, you know where I'm at in my career and where I'm at in in, in life. You know, you know the you know, the ways of doing things I know are continually changing. I think that you know personal relationships of meeting people face to face and that coffee chat or that beer, you know, going for that dinner or lunch or whatever, you know, football or rugby is invaluable. Mm-hmm. And you know, you create a bond that you can't get over. You can't get over teams and yeah. you can't get over, over, over Zoom. So I think there has been a missed opportunity. I think that um, that will come back. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, without, you know, going into humans and how we interact, yeah. but, you know, that will come back. Uh, I think I've, I have an element of sympathy. Although they might not think it, that for, the, for that generation as they were going through that would have got a benefit of being more networked and more, you know, socially involved mm. over, over that period of time. But for me, I've got relationships that go back years and years, but you know I continually will catch up with them in London or wherever. That you know I know I can call upon at any yeah. time for anything. So it's I would say it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, great, and, and I, I agree as well. Um, and I think you know part of doing this podcast in person is because you have a better conversation, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? So um, now this podcast as well is kind of focusing on 
professional services community of the past, present and future. So um, I noted in, in your career that you did spend some time in professional services and, and consulting. Can you say a bit about that, you know, what you did and maybe what you, you learned from your time there? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, you touched on my, my life plan earlier than I, you know, when I was becoming a sort of finance director or think to become that finance director in my, my 20s and I was working in a couple of listed organisations and at the time I had a lot of sort of consultants that were coming in that didn't necessarily have that that worldly experience. So actually I worked in professional services probably slightly later in my, my career. You know, I probably by that point I was probably late thirties into my into my sort of mid thirties when I worked in mm. professional services and in consulting. But it meant when I went into that environment I'd already been working and yeah. in, in, I'd had understanding so that when I was going out to some of the clients so as so I was head of consulting Scotland for 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 a for a business, and when I was going out, I'd sat on that other side of the table. It wasn't that uh, it meant I could add a different value, as well as the people who'd been you know in the consulting and professional services the whole career that would bring something different. So it just added a different shape to it. Mm. So I did it for the basis of to help me uh, in my career be you know have better methodologies, have better understanding, good project management. Good, you know, multi-sector experience, mm-hmm. you know, you know, a sort of high pace in, environment. So it was giving me a, a very good skill set. Mm-hmm. But based on my experience, I was then able to go, deliver hopefully that service to the to the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both, you know, one was a global organisation and one was a, a, more of a European organisation. Mm-hmm. So again, fantastic networks, fantastic clients, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, great opportunities, different projects, different sectors. Yeah. So that, you know, so I would say that that part of my career had really helped me set up as I move forward into, the, you know, being a FD, CFO, mm-hmm. CEO and, you know, getting involved in, in, in private equity. And because you had, you know, that plan, that goal to get somewhere, you... you you know, some people might think, well, that's a bit of a sacrifice going back into professional services from industry because, you know, there's a perception that professional services is a lot more hours than, than the industry hours. I, I mean, I've always thought if you're in a senior role in industry, you're probably just doing the hours anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, would you kind of say that, that that's some of your, your line of thought and you, and you, but you, it's that you wanted to upskill in some areas as well? Yeah, I mean, I think I always look at things, where am I today, where am I tomorrow and the economics of it. And when I took the step, you know, I was in I was in financial services. I was in banking at the time. I'd you know I, I, you know senior position in there, but I made the conscious decision to take a step back from an economics point of view. So financially, because I knew that with having that skill set added to what I've what I've done to date, yeah. would actually put me in a better position going forward. I knew it would be long hours. I knew the travel would be slightly different because rather than you'd be you're at the end of the day, you're the mercy of the, the, the client and what yeah. the client wants, the client's paying for, and you need to deliver it as quickly and effectively mm-hmm. as possible. But you know, I was I was aware of that, but I knew that as part of my journey and where I wanted to get to, the benefits that I would get from it. Mm-hmm. So I would certainly encourage people that, you know, have maybe been professional service earlier, industry if they were to go back into professional services for the right reason, mm-hmm. i.e. they're going to take a, skill, a different skill set at a different point in their career mm-hmm. to go back into industry, it's hugely, hugely valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you talking about long hours of travelling because, you know, well, I'm going to come on to the mar- marathons that you do <laughs> in the desert and uh, people will be thinking, what? Uh, so, you know, we all do kind of continuous professional development of some sorts, but this one seems a bit kind of unorthodox. Um, can you say a bit more about these marathons that you do because and maybe why you do them as well yeah sure um so well i suppose what you're referring to is so I, I, so i've i've done today a couple of times an event called the marathon de sable 
which is the equivalent of six and a half, seven marathons over six stages in the Sahara Desert and its self-sufficiency. And what that means is from when the event starts on this, well, it's basically from the Saturday night to the following Saturday, everything that you have in your rucksack is what you need apart from a canvas cover that comes over you at night. So your sleeping bag, your food, etc. Um, it's uh, this sort of types of terrain. It's so it is you know sand dunes, dry riverbeds, etc. Now I think it's been previously been classed as the toughest toughest foot race in the world. So why did I initially do it? And then uh, so I initially did it, and, and it's maybe a terrible thing to say as a being someone from the west of Scotland, but I probably actually started off as a bit as a drunken bet, yeah. and someone that I knew that had done it before basically said like. I don't know if you're really, you really get the mindset and capability to do this. And the next morning I got up and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I basically set my stall out, put my plan, and a year and a half after that, I completed it for, for the first time. How, how I'd sum it up, it was probably the toughest thing I'd ever done. But mentally, it was one of the best things, if not the best thing that I'd ever done. The hardest part of all these things is getting to the start line. You know, most People, when they set their mind to something, they'll prepare at least to a point. So by getting to the start line means you've generally done some of the work that you need, if not all of the work, and you're, you've at least got the right mindset. Nothing can then prepare you for really what you, you, you experience or the highs and lows as you go through it. But once you come out of the other side, that, you know, the feeling of your ability, do you know what, if I can do that, you know what I can, you know, I'm, you know I can, I can put myself to, to anything if I really put my mind to it. Mm. So, so I think from a, you know, I've done it, I've done it, did it once after that. I'm about to do it uh, in preparation again to, 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 to go back. Um, that uh, for me, it's a good mental reset. It's a good physical reset. Mm-hmm. It creates energy levels and that, you know, that lasts for, for months afterwards. But more importantly, it helps, you know, my clarity of thinking, my clear thought in terms of how I can actually move my, 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 my life forward. So I think it's been hugely valuable in terms of my career, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of my mindset and my, and my belief mm-hmm. of how, you know, in, in situations that we will get to where we need to get to. Mm-hmm. So, so pushing yourself doing those marathons has, has been great for you and your, your mindset. You know, in your job here at N4, you're working with many businesses, you know, senior leadership teams, and, you know, there might be an opinion you have on leaders in, in play as well, and what that business needs for maybe for their next phase of growth. I mean, in your opinion, you know, what what makes a good leader and a, a good leader of senior management teams mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate as again in my career to see many great leaders also, you know, people that have not so, so... Also, not every great leader fits into the right business and right, fits, into, fits into every business and fits into the people round about it. I think where we are at the moment, you, you know, one of your questions earlier, we're you know, in challenging environments at the moment. So it's making sure that you've got a, a leader who listens, first and foremost, who has the ability to, to bring people round the table, you know, listen to the opinions, but at the same time, make the tough decision when you need to make the tough decision. I don't always believe that you know, leaders need to come from the field of what that business is within, mm-hmm. I sometimes think it's it's good to have that that cha- that challenge because around your leadership team you will have the the specialists and the knowledge experts, mm-hmm. but it's having an individual who will you know who will lead from the front. But what I mean by that is that you know they're they're, they're not sitting in the the tower above looking down. Yeah. They're they're on the front they're on the front line. They've got the team round about them. They're 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 giving people opportunities. They're creating leaders 
leaders for the future. They're thinking about all of aspects of of the pillars of success within their for the, within their business. Mm. And so it's maybe not whether the person is charismatic or introvert extrovert. It's you know they can have th- despite maybe what they are in those in those you know labels. Um, it's just their approach to people and their maybe inclusivity and things yeah. like that. Well, you, I mean, you, you know, you talk like charismatic, you know, so, you know, you can be, you know, charismatic up front and, you know, and, and, and sell the good story. Mm. But, you know, are you really, are the people around about you? You know, you find a lot of people get to the top of an organisation, but don't stay there because they've not necessarily treated people the right yeah. on the way up. You know, so charisma does, can help to that, you know, introverted, extroverted there. But I think it is the ability to, to listen more and more as there's more challenges within business from cyber security to, you know, you talk about AI to technology to, you know, all the things that are going on out there is that, you know, you know as, 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 a, as, a, as a leader of people, you want to, to, to listen and you want to basically you know, make the decisions, but equally allow people to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, people at the heart of, you know, you know most organisations, people are at the heart mm-hmm. of it. And do you think it's easy enough for a senior leader to listen more? You know, like... I guess with empathy, you know, not all leaders are maybe naturally empathetic and it's something that they maybe have to learn. Is that the same listening or is that a case of just really just talking less? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, you've got two ears and one mouth there. Yeah. No, I think, you know, you, you, you can tell well if people are going to, you know, you know, we've examples recently where we've put CEOs into to new, you know, new positions who have not been in that position before. You know, you try to give them as much internal coaching, you look externally to the people, you make sure they've got mentors, you know, you try to do everything you can and, you know, at times you get it, you, 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 you get it right, times you get it, you get it wrong, but you want mm. to be fair to these people as well because, you know, you know not everyone can be a leader. Mm-hmm. No, that's, mm-hmm. that's it. But you hope that you select the people and you give them every opportunity to, 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 to fill it. You know, another tough thing about uh, being a leader as well is, you know, is, is telling people sometimes, you know, what, that's what you, what you might want to be able to do, but, you know, you know, we don't see that. Yeah. So, you know, you might want to try elsewhere, but we'd rather be up front with you and say, look, we don't think you've got that. So, but here's what actually what you can do and here's where you can add huge value to the organisation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's sort of, you know, decision making and the Rubik's Cube of, of the business and what makes it work. Mm-hmm. One thing I'd like to ask that I didn't actually plan to ask as well is if people are listening to this and maybe they're not too far away from private equity, but they want to get into private equity, is there maybe something you can say about <laughs> what what good attributes somebody could have to to do well in 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 private equity? Yeah, well, it's a question I'm actually asked a lot, and you know, you go back. We were, you know, as a team, we've worked together for a for a for a for a number of years, and you know, there we you know, we would set up a, a couple of funds, and uh, you know, there was a whole different skill set to get to, to, that that came together to make it work. I think no, there's the tra- traditional route of, you know, like if you want to call it the more the financial mm-hmm. private equity. You know, you'll go down either your your big four or your investment banking, your fin- yeah. you know the the financial side of things, investment to go into it that way, or it could be the the, the legal route, it could be the the operational route. I.e., you've been involved in a business, the business has then been brought over by private equity, and then you then get the opportunity yeah. to to go from there. I think you know. There is the, the traditional way, but I would like, you know, for, for encourage everyone to actually understand what private equity is about mm-hmm. and where their skill set can actually add value to that mm-hmm. and how they see their, how their own development can, can be developed by moving into that. I mean, I didn't move, go into private equity in a traditional 
way, although I'd been involved in banking and professional services, etc. But I think that uh, you know, you know, you know, simple rule of private equity. You know, you, f- you identify a business to to invest in. You know, you invest in it for a period of time. You operationally manage it mm-hmm. to, to to a point, and then you know, you exit it and you deliver X return to your investors, and mm-hmm. you know, you go, you go you go through that cycle. But to make that work, there's so many different. Yeah people and skill sets required. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, you know, it, from you know, technology, AI, you've some of the things you've talked about. So I think yeah. it's, there's, there's so many different routes. And I think it's just about speaking to people mm-hmm. who are in that environment mm-hmm. and just thinking, right, how can I shape it from, from my own point? Yeah, no, that's good advice. Um, and kind of touching on, you know, what you invest in, you mentioned earlier um, about an accounting firm, I think. So, and there's obviously been quite a lot of private equity investment in professional services over the last few years, not only here in Scotland, but wider UK and, and, and the US. Um, do you see that trend con- continuing? You know, what, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, your so, on that? Well, the simple answer is yes, I see it continue. You know, you know why did we get, get, get involved in it? And this is probably something that, you know, comes back a bit to the, the, the mindset that we have. You know, we, it's about seeing an opportunity and how you can, you know, you know, turn that you know that 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 opportunity into to to to, to a journey into a return, and I think the the whole market. You know, if you take Scotland for a second, you know the SME market. You know, they've got fantastic businesses there, but you know sometimes these businesses are needing you know you know you know one advice one one person to go to that can help maybe from the finance, the legal, the mm-hmm. HR, etc. So that whole sort of business services you know, and within the professional services, I think there's a real opportunity for the SME market to tap for to tap into that SME market and provide that offering mm-hmm. as a as that trusted advisor. I mean, N four our, our mantra is powered by partnership, mm-hmm. no, and that's how you know we see the whole professional services being. It's got to be a a, a a partnership, and I think it's strayed away from that over the last number of years. You know, and, you know, there's been shortage of talent. We've, you know, we've seen you know you know from pricing etc. So. What we've created is, you know, so to date we've made seven investments into an accountancy roll-up. You know, we're planning to make future investments into that. We're looking at the sectors. We're looking at the, the, the geographical side of it. We're looking at what our clients actually need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, so I think that in the, the feedback we're getting is very positive to that. You, as you said, there's been a number of deals, Scotland mm-hmm. and, and, and UK-wide. You know, why is that? Well, there's, okay, a couple of things. There's a lot of money mm-hmm. out in the world from a private equity looking to go into a home. So people are continually looking at new ideas to, to do it. I think that um, it is also a bit of return. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is create something that will last long beyond, beyond our ownership. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I think that the whole professional services market is going through ma- major change. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why there's a real opportunity. And I think, you know, I think it will continue. Yeah, no, so I, I, I agree on that. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I love the industry, you know, I used to work in it and now recruiting in it. And, you know, it's great to meet, you know, so many different people. And so, you know, I think it does have a, a bright future, whether a firm is taking the private equity or not. So it will be really interesting to see, um, you know, how that trend continues. Mm-hmm. Um, just as we're coming to the end of the episode as well, I always like to ask guests about the next 12 months and uh, from a, a personal angle, kind of, if you have any goals and, and, and then similarly professionally as well and you can answer both or just take one yeah okay um, I'll, 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 I'll answer both uh, professionally I think you know the, you know we've, we've talked about Scotland there's fantastic opportunities in Scotland there's fantastic businesses I think at N4 you know with the skill set that we have we can help 
these businesses in their, their journey. So I think we see real opportunity in the, in, in the investment side and in using our experience to, 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 to help these businesses. I think, you know, in supporting, you know, you know, some of your, your listeners in terms of maybe you know, younger people starting out in their career, you know, we introduced a Gen 4 programme, which was for, for, for young people to give them experience of private equity, investment advisory. Mm-hmm. They were at university, we were giving them projects to do. So I'd say over the next 12 months, it's about identifying opportunities, but it's also helping about, you know, creating, we use the term leaders, but it's actually creating people, young people, giving them opportunities in the, in, in, in the, in the future. And I'd say from a from a personal point of view, it's you know it's the oh, as I said earlier, I always look where am I today and where am I tomorrow and, and about joining life. So, so I'm having fun in the career, having fun in, in in personal life. You know, talked about the the marathon and spending time and you know friends and family etc. So yeah, it's about you know you know I, I always believe it's it's every day. It's about moving forward and and enjoying life. Excellent. No, thank you so much for your time, Alan. It's been it's been really great. So really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Absolute pleasure. And thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Professional Speaks podcast. This podcast was produced by Springwood Studio Productions. Remember, you can watch the episode recording on our YouTube channel. And if you can, please do subscribe and share with all of your friends. The more people who listen to this, the more guests we can have on to share so that you can learn, be inspired, grow, and ultimately succeed in what you want to achieve in your career. Please also contact me if you have any feedback on this episode. I'd love to hear from you.